I did not know I was going to minister on this subject this morning until about 11 o'clock last night. Then about 2 o'clock I made it home. Me and Jesus just spent some time together. And I thought I was ready and was going to actually minister concerning the story that maybe you are familiar with of Mephibosheth and Lodabar, but the Lord, I believe, has other plans this morning, and I am excited to share with you what I'm going to share today. I feel like that somebody is going to be rescued this morning before they leave this house from what may be ailing them this morning, and I don't say that lightly today. But I would say to everyone that is under the sound of our voice, whether in this building or by way of technology this morning, I want to encourage you to open your ears and your heart and receive what God has for you because I truly believe that this can be your day, this can be your moment where you can experience the power and the love of God on a level that you've never known and you can be transformed by the glorious power of God. How many believes he still does miracles today? Amen? Amen. I'm going to go, and I'm going to ask you if you would, if you're able, if you're not able, I understand, but for the reverence of the word this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand with me one more time as we lay a foundation. Hebrews chapter number 12, we're going to read the first two verses together. And then we're going to read verse 25 through 29. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape. If we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now hath he promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. For a few moments this morning, I'm going to preach a message entitled, The Unshakable Place. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. I thank you for the privilege to stand in this platform and to stand before your people. Today, Father, I pray that this morning that this would be delivered the way that I've received it from you. And Father, I pray that lives would be changed and transformed by the truth of your word this morning, and we'll give you the praise and the glory forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. For a little while today, and yes, I said a little while, I'm going to give you a series this morning in hopefully maybe 40 minutes, 45, Anybody give me five minutes? Raise your hand if you give me five minutes. Five, 10, 15, I, I got, I'm good. I don't have to hurry, all right. So for a few moments or for a little while, this morning, I'm going to share with you about the importance of your dwelling place. We currently find ourselves in a season of great uncertainty. I think all of us are aware of that. The world that we have known no longer exists. 
we can fool ourselves into believing that it does, but it doesn't. That which was accepted is now demonized. Right is now wrong, and wrong is now right. Truth is feared, while lies is celebrated. God is cursed, while evil is worshipped. Marriage is mocked, while fornication and adultery is encouraged and praised. Morality is out, and sexual perversion is in. We have now given away nearly half of our alphabet to a group of confused men and women to attempt to identify them in their, and to vindicate their demonic lifestyle. I don't say that throwing off on the people. I say that throwing off on the sin of the pits of hell. All of the while, the church world, especially in the Western Hemisphere, America especially, we have left our place of holiness. And we have mingled and married this demonic onslaught of humanity that the enemy has presented. And then we wonder why we have no power, no joy, no peace, and no rest. Basically, it has left us with a form of godliness, but we have no power. You say, how can you say that this morning? Pastor, is because of this reality. The sinner leaves the way he came. The broken leave the way they came. The hopeless leave the way they came. The sick and the diseased leave the way they came. We have allowed the enemy to steal the very thing that sets us apart from the world. We in America today, especially now, no longer even believe it's necessary to assemble together in the house of the Lord. Even though the word of the Lord says when you see all of the stuff going on in our culture today that we should do it the more so. In our culture, it no longer matters what you do or how you live because everybody is going to heaven. But I must sound the alarm today. And I must speak against the hysteria of our day. And I must tell you that there is only one place that man can dwell and experience the salvation of his soul and walk in the blessings and favor of Almighty God and experience a true eternal reward. That place is an unshakable place. It doesn't change by the winds of men and winds of government. It doesn't change by corruption in high offices and places. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 18 and 10, he says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. Is anybody safe this morning? No, I mean, is anybody really safe this morning? If you say you're really safe this morning, why are you so up in arms about all of the junk we see in the world? Why is it we lose sleep over it? Why is it we're so disturbed? Because can I remind you, this world is not our home. We're just pilgrims passing through. Uh, but there is a place that's prepared for the redeemed of the Lord. And yes, we got to occupy till he comes. But can I tell you, we've fallen in love with this place way too much. Uh, but there is a place called heaven. It's not my message, but I could preach that this morning. David said this in Psalm 61, hear my cry, O Lord, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the comfort of thy wings, Selah. 
David had something else to say. This needs to come back to the sanctuary instead of the funeral parlor. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Verse four says, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If I was in a Pentecostal church, they'd be running and shouting right now. I just don't even know where I'm at anymore. See, what I'm telling you today is uh, the generation before us, they knew who they belonged to uh, and they knew where they dwelt. Uh, and when they dwelt in the presence of God, uh, they said, we will not let anything move us. I'm trying to, this is just my introduction. Just stay with me. Jesus said, John 10 and 10, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. He didn't stop there. Verse number 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But then you go to verse 17. Verse 18, it says, Therefore doeth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Please hear me today. There is a place of refuge uh, that has been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, and he is still called the good shepherd. Uh, and for everybody that will call on his name, uh, there is a rock you can run into uh, that is higher than you. Uh, and you don't have to be fearful. Uh, you don't have to wring your hand in uncertainty. Uh, but while the world is going crazy around you, uh, you can rest in the arms of a loving Savior, uh, and you can say, uh, I don't care what comes my way, uh, he has anointed my head with oil, and my cup runs over, and goodness and mercy uh, is still walking with me today. <coughs> I want to share with you this morning a story that shows the power of God. Don't get antsy. I told you I was going to take a little while this morning. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Joshua chapter number two. We see the children of Israel finds themselves in a very uncertain time. Moses has died. Joshua chapter one, the Lord comes and begins to speak to Joshua. As he begins to speak to him, he says, as I was with Moses, surely I'll be with you. He says, don't go to the right or the left, but stay true to the commandments and the statutes that I've given you and you will have good success, Joshua 1 and 8. But then you get to chapter number 2 and we find that Joshua begins to prepare for advancement. He sends two young men to go view the land of Jericho. Now we know Jericho is a great walled city. It's a place that is built to withstand the attacks of the great and the most powerful armies. It has been said and some believe that the walls were so thick around Jericho that you could ride a horse and chariot around the tops of them. Think about it. It was a fortified city. It was not able to be penetrated. It looked like it was an impossible city to overpower. In the natural, it appeared that mighty men of power were untouchable that were in the city. But somebody said, but God this morning. But what Israel didn't know, 
was what they thought was impossible was already been dealt with before this moment ever arrived. For those in the city had already began to hear rumblings of what God had been doing on behalf of his people. There is so much I want to preach this morning that I just got to stay focused because I just got to, I have to stay focused this morning. But there is some, please hear me, there is some right now that you and I don't quite understand just yet, but I can tell you by the unction of the Holy Ghost, fear is gripping their hearts because of the rumblings that they beginning to hear of what God is doing for his people. Allow me to read this passage this morning. I'm going to read a lot this morning. Joshua chapter 2, verse number 1. Go with me. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shedem to men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab, and they lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thy house. For they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said this, There came men unto me, but I know not where they were. And it come to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate when it was dark that the men went out. Whether the men went, I really don't know. But she said, pursue after them quickly, for you shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of her house and had hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan, Unto the fords, uh, and as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she had came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the king, the two kings of the Amorites that was on the other side of Jordan, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts didn't melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father, and my mother, and my brethren, and my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, our life for yours. If we utter not, if you utter not our business, it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Notice this. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt up on the wall. Now, I know it's a lot of reading. Stay with me. Gonna read just a little bit more. After she let them down. Listen to the conversation as it continues. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there for three days. Somebody say three days. Three days. You want to remember that for a little while later. Until the pursuers be returned. And afterwards, may you go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thy oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, 
Thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head. And we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head. And if any hand be upon him, and if thou utter this our business, then we will be quiet of thy oath, which thou hast made us swear. And she said, according unto your word, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet line in the window. Now, we're going to dissect this for a few moments. Joshua is in the midst of transition, the midst of uncertainty. He has been given an impossible task, it appears. He's got to take a group of people into a place of promise. Moses, who had led them for 40 years, now has died. People are full of uncertainty, don't know what's going on. They know who Joshua is, but he's not the one that's been their leader. God begins to give him a, a word. He begins to share with them. All of a sudden, things begin to happen. He says, it's time to move forward. We find that when you begin to walk through this passage of Scripture, lots of things begin to happen. We find that at this point, he says, the first thing I got to do is I got to see what's going on over there. And he got revelation of what the true condition was of the city Jericho. Because you have to realize, they was on this side of the Jordan. There was a Jordan River, there was the plains, and then there's the great walled city Jericho, but just on the other side of Jericho is their promise. Uh, and they said, listen, if we're ever going to get our promise, uh, we're going to have to figure out how to get past this, uh, and we're going to have to know how to defeat that. Uh, I don't know what's going on over there because uh, it's a great walled city. I have no ability to see. Uh, but we find that two men uh, go in, as we read this morning, they walk in to the city. Uh, they find themselves at the harlot's house, uh, Rahab's house, uh, and they walk in uh, and she begins to tell them, listen, uh, she hides them. Uh, noise begins to be around the city. There's two uh, Hebrew boys that made entry. Uh, they come to see what's going on. They in the city was already paralyzed with fear. Uh, they was anxious uh, because of the rumblings of God, uh, the rumblings uh, that there was a group of people uh, that it came up out of Egypt uh, and they went over to a Red Sea and it parted and they crossed on dry ground. Uh, that they went and stood before two kings of the Amorites uh, and they utterly destroyed them. Uh, and they said, they're coming our way. Uh, and God had touched their heart in such a manner. Uh, it said that the mightiest men, uh, their hearts had melted. Uh, there was no fight left in them. Uh, but the children of Israel did not know. Uh, they still saw naturally uh, they didn't see what was going on inside. Uh, but we find now, uh, as these two men make entry, uh, we find that the enemy begins to seek them out, uh, fearful of what they may see and what they may find out. But Rahab gives them the insight, uh, says, listen, uh, we're scared to death. Uh, we don't know what we're going to do. Uh, we know that we're just here just for a moment of time uh, because we know that the moment that you arrive, uh, that your God is not just a God in the heavenlies, uh, but he's also the God on the earth uh, and we don't have the ability to, to stop what he's doing. Uh, I want somebody to hear me this morning. Uh, there's a whole lot of people uh, living uh, inside of Jericho today uh, that is filled with fear uh, and is full of anxiousness. Uh, but I'm here to tell you there's a people rising up uh, in this nation and other nations uh, that says we're just not quite done yet uh, because there's still some promises uh, that we have not yet obtained. God has not brought us this far to abandon us. I know there's a Jordan in front of us in this nation right now. And I also know it appears that there's a great walled city. But I also know that the God that delivered me from my Red Sea, the God that delivered me out of the hands of the Amorites, is also the God that's still walking with me. And I'm not walking alone. Because as David said, goodness and mercy.
mercy is on each side of me uh, and also the Holy Ghost is dwelling inside of me. Uh, so how in the world can I be defeated uh, in this hour? Uh, listen, I think I'll just go on with Jesus just the same uh, and just go ahead and walk this thing out by faith uh, because uh, there is still something new uh, and fresh uh, on the horizon this morning. So now we find two men in Rahab's house hid under the flag on the roof. Then darkness has come. The gates are shut. The city's on lockdown. Interesting. Nobody's going in, nobody's going out unless somebody's saying so. Read the text, you'll find that when they sent the group out, they shut the gates right behind them. They're afraid somebody's going to sneak in. They're afraid somebody's going to get out. Everything was stifled. But there was a window. Y'all better be glad we don't have 24-hour hardware stores because y'all have been taking rope and scarlet rope home. So I had to take a thing out of a trash bag. <laughs> Got me a window. Scarlet. She let them down. Now before we get too far into this, let's walk through this real quick. Stay three days so nobody finds you. They stay three days. These two young men go running back to Joshua to give their report. They say, Fears abounding. They say we're going to overthrow them. They say they can't stand in our presence. They say, they say their days is numbered. So then you go to chapter three. We see Israel goes through a process of sanctifying themselves because it says in the morning. Joshua chapter number three, Joshua rose up early in the morning and he came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel and they lodged there before they passed over and it come to pass after three days, we see three days again, that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near it, that you may know the way by which you go, for you have not passed this way before. But then verse 5, Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I'm trying to give you a series and not preach a series, but... We find there had to be a sanctifying of the people before they experienced the wonders of Jordan. But when you read this, notice what happens. And I don't have to teach this or re-preach this, I don't believe, but let me run through it very quickly. Joshua chapter number three, sanctify yourself because tomorrow the Lord's going to do wonders among you. So they get down there. The priests bear up the ark of the covenant, which is symbolic of the presence of the Lord. And he says, I want you to step down into it. And you find that the Jordan is out of its banks at this time. It's running over. It's muddy. It's not pretty. It's not someplace you want to go. But in this powerful overflowing time, they step down into it. All of a sudden, the waters come back on a heap and the children cross over. All of a sudden, things began to happen. It propels you into chapter number four. When you get to chapter number four, the children of Israel have all crossed over. As they've crossed over, then we find that Joshua has sent a man from every twi uh, of the 12 tribes back into the Jordan, and they all bring out a stone. And we find that there's 12 stones that's erected in the place that they lodged on the other side of the Jordan. And it was to signify and memorialize that which God had done, the miracle working power of God that was on display. In that moment, they had erected that. 
At that same time, 40,000 men prepared themselves for battle in the plains of Jericho. Don't have time to preach it all this morning, but I'm trying. And they ran through, uh, and they get to the other side. This is acknowledged. They're still there to this day. And we find that everybody knows what those 12 stones represent. It is uh, the wonderful working power of God delivering. But something happened inside the city. There began to be more rumblings. The rumblings was there, and the rumblings was saying this. Uh, not only did God part a Red Sea, but now he's part of the Jordan. Now they're closer than they've ever been. There is nothing to stop them now. The obstacle that was there has been eliminated. Uh, and they looked out from the great walled city of Jericho, and they saw 40,000 Jewish men, uh, Hebrew men, dressed for battle. Uh, they saw the priests uh, decorated in their attire. Uh, they might have, if they had a binocular set back then, I don't know, uh, they might have seen the Ark of the Covenant uh, inside the tent that was erected. I don't know. Uh, all I know is that they looked over and they said, man, they're coming now. Uh, it's closer. Uh, fear and anticipation is arising. Uh, but we find that then uh, after the, uh, the 12 stones is erected, uh, it propels us into chapter number five that tells us uh, that it come to pass when all of the kings of the Amorites, which is on the side of the Jordan westward, uh, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, uh, that they heard the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel. Uh, it says that their heart melted, uh, neither was their spirit in them anymore uh, because of the children of Israel. Uh, can I tell you what we don't understand? Uh, and, and, and God gave me this, uh, is this. He said, you have been through a process of sanctification. Uh, he said, I've allowed the events of this hour uh, to take my people back to a place uh, of sanctifying their hearts and their lives uh, and he said now I'm propelling you uh, and in this season uh, what is happening uh, is there's getting ready to be the cutting away of the flesh uh, because you find uh, in chapter number five, uh, there was a generation uh, of the children of Israel that had been born uh, that did that because the ones that came out of Egypt, they had died, uh, but the ones that had been born in the last 40 years, uh, they had never been circumcised. Uh, but once they got on the other side of the Jordan, uh, before they could take the great walled city uh, and before they could step into the promise, uh, he said, there has to be a cutting away of the flesh. Uh, there has to be a circumcision. Uh, can I tell you, uh, the Lord uh, is a God uh, of order and structure. Uh, the last 16 months, uh, we have been going through a process of sanctification. Uh, right now, we're in a process of the cutting away of the flesh. Uh, and we are on the brink of seeing uh, a Jericho come crumbling down. Uh, and I'm here to tell you there's a promise uh, that we are about to step into. Uh, the promise is simply this, uh, that of the latter house is greater than the former. Uh, the promise is uh, that your sons and daughters, uh, they will prophesy. Uh, listen, I don't care if they're in a wayward land this morning. Uh, somebody ought to just get ready uh, because somebody's coming home. Uh, somebody's about to be delivered. Uh, somebody's about to be saved. Uh, somebody's about to be set free. Uh, but you're going to have to go through the process of cutting away the flesh. Uh, this is where uh, things begin to really escalate. Uh, the, then get to chapter number six. I'm just now getting to my message. Uh, I'm glad you liked the introduction. Uh, chapter number six, verse number one. Uh, now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. God gives clear instructions at this time. He visits Joshua and he simply sees him. He says, are you for us or are you against us? And he simply said, he began to give him instructions. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to line up people in a very specific manner. I want you to take the ark. I want you to take the priest. I want you to take the musicians. Everybody's got a place. You're going to take for the next seven days, you're going to do something absolutely absurd. You're going to take for the first six days, you're going to get up. You're going to begin to get in order. You're going to begin to sound the trumpets and you're going to walk around and you're just going to be silent. You're not going to do much. You're just going to walk it. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day 
26. Uh, then you go and you just sit down. Uh, just wait on the Lord. Uh, and we find that he said on the seventh day, uh, there is something going to change. Uh, seventh day, uh, I'm giving you clear instructions. Uh, you're going to do the same thing, but you're going to do it seven times. Uh, nobody's going to talk. Uh, nobody's going to say anything. Uh, but at the seventh go around, uh, you're going to sound the trumpets, uh, but also you're going to shout with a great shout because uh, there is something changing. Now, stay with me. He know that story, I believe. So notice what happens. Uh, Joshua chapter six, uh, we find uh, verse number 17. In the midst of everything that's going on, uh, the Lord does not forget about Rahab. Because uh, verse 17 says, uh, the city shall be accursed. Even it and all that are therein. Uh, he said they gave them some clear instructions. Certain things could be brought into the house of the Lord. Uh, but he said, only Rahab the harlot shall live. Uh, she and all that are with her in the house. Uh, because she hid the messengers that we sent. Okay, everybody with me? Now go to verse number 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it come to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city. Every man straight before him. And they took the city. Somebody say they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and ass, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath as you swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in, and they brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. Now that may not be a big deal to you this morning yet. But let me take you to this story. I must take you to this story and take you to a very specific part of it that truly amazes me. Where did Rahab live? Anybody remember? Top of the wall. Joshua chapter 2 verse number 15. Then she let them down by a cord through the window for her house was up on the town wall and she dwelt up on the wall. But the Bible says... I like it when you get real spiritual. And the Bible says, I'm not that spiritual, so. But the Bible says, Joshua 6, 20. So the people shouted with the priests, blew with their trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So that the people went into the city, and every man straight before them, and they took the city. Okay? I'm confused. God, you got to give me something. But verse 22, Joshua said unto the two men that had spied out the land, go into the harlot's house. How do you go into a harlot's house that's on top of the wall if the wall is fell? There's an unshakable place. All of the wall of Jericho didn't fall. Can I tell you, there's a whole lot of things getting ready to fall, but there's one place ain't going to fall. This is what I get at 2 o'clock in the morning with Jesus. Y'all might want to try that. There is two 2 o'clocks on your, on your listen. I, I'm just saying, there was a place on the wall that had a scarlet robe that was unshakable. Hear me this morning. I don't care what's falling all around you. If the blood is present, it can't be shaken. There is some great walled cities and some nations that's about to shake like we've never saw. But the Lord says, 
I will not allow the blood to be ignored. I must ask you today, is there a scarlet robe, scarlet rope in your window? Listen, I I had to dig more. So scarlet can mean courage, passion, joy, force, and it can even mean heat. But the word scarlet used in Joshua chapter 2 comes from a different place. If you go back to the Hebrew, it comes from a word shani, S-H-A-N-N-I-Y. Okay? Shani basically is a crimson or scarlet worm. Stay with me. Symbolic that she let those two young Hebrew boys out her window by dropping out a worm out of her window. Stay with me. Is it possible this morning that a worm could symbolize Christ? David received revelation that nobody else saw concerning the crucifixion. If you was to read Psalms chapter 22, it begins by simply quoting the words of Christ when he was on the cross. He simply said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring. But then you get down to verse number 6, and this is the revelation that David got concerning Christ. Christ is saying, But I am a worm and no man. Now, stay with me. I'm not went off my rocker yet. The question must be asked, why is the cord that Rahab hung from the window in Jericho, which was of a scarlet color? Why couldn't it have been blue? Why couldn't it have been purple? Why couldn't it have been whatever? But it was scarlet. Why was it scarlet? Notice... Psalms 22.6 says, am I a worm? But not just any worm, but a very specific worm called the scarlet or the crimson worm. This word is used a few times in the Bible. What is to signify of the scarlet worm into relation with this story and the hope of Rahab? First and foremost, we need to understand that the Word of God explains the Word of God. We don't need to try to explain it. So I'm going to let the Word explain it, okay? In Psalms 22, David writes what he has given. Am I a worm, not a man? Why would Jesus be referred to a worm, and especially a scarlet worm or a crimson worm? The word used in this psalm is the same word that is used in Joshua chapter 2. So therefore, we know it's the same. And it represents the same scarlet worm, but it is called a scarlet worm because of its ability to secrete a scarlet-colored fluid. Now, this ain't my message, but let me go on a rabbit trail real quick. This worm disappeared for hundreds of years. This worm is used to create dye. It dyed wool and fabrics, but it disappeared. But just a few years ago, this worm reappeared in Jerusalem. And now they have what they need to make the dyes for the certain colors for the operations inside the tip. That's not my message, but I'll give you that anyway. Just interesting. But the word used here and this worm was used to dye for linen and wool in biblical times. 
And when you see the word scarlet or crimson in the Bible, it usually refers to this specific color worm. Now, looking at all the life cycle of the scarlet worm, however, we see an amazing revelation of the Word of God that I want to give you because I'm talking to you about an unshakable place this morning. When the scarlet worm is ready to give birth, watch this, it will find a tree and it will plant its body firmly on the tree and it never leaves again. The worm then lays eggs under its shell and the young then are born. And the body of the scarlet worm is used as a protection and a food source for the young until the children are ready to live on their own. And then notice the scarlet worm gives itself in order for them to live. The scarlet worm dies. Upon its death, however, it releases all of its fluid that is, turns the dye. It releases all of its scarlet fluid and the fluid stains the children scarlet red. Therefore, they receive their identity as a scarlet worm by the death of the one that gives them life. I wish somebody get that connection this morning. The little ones would then go from that place and live in the identity that was released over them by the one that had planted itself on the tree. But it doesn't stop there. After, after three days, get this now, the mother worm turns white and falls from the tree like a snowflake and it is pure white in color. Within this phenomenon of nature lies the whole salvation plan of our Father. He says, I am a worm and no man. He was simply saying, I've planted myself on a tree. And I've emptied myself so that you could receive scarlet. So that you could have the identity of who I am. And you could begin to walk in the identity that I give you. And then he falls from that tree. And three days later, he resurrects. And he is all power, all authority. But he is also all pure. Can I tell you? A deeper revelation of this story is found by the prophet Isaiah when he retains this picture. He says, though your sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The Hebrew word translated is the same in Isaiah 1 and 18 as it is in Joshua 2 and as it is in Psalms 22. What am I saying this morning is I have to take you back to another part of this story. Why is it that Rahab simply said to those two young men that slid down this scarlet road, Go hide yourself for three days so that you're not discovered. It was symbolic of saying this. If you'll go hide yourself, there is going to be a mother worm lay over you, going to cover you, uh, and you're not going to walk back into the camp of Israel the same way you walked out uh, because you're going to have a new identity uh, because for three days you're going to lay uh, underneath there. Uh, listen, uh, and something changed in their life. Uh, I don't know what you're going through today, but I can tell you this this morning, uh, that as I was alone last night with the Lord uh, into the wee hours of this morning, uh, the Lord began to say something Somebody uh, needs to understand uh, that there's still a scarlet ribbon in the window. Uh, and you don't have to worry. Uh, you don't have to be anxious. Uh, you don't have to be overwhelmed uh, by everything that you see in here uh, because there is still an unshakable place. Uh, and it is still uh, a place that is only provided uh, by our King, uh, by our Savior. Uh, and I want to encourage you this morning. Uh, don't be called outside the house where the window has a scarlet rope hanging from it this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. So I ask you today,
Where are you dwelling? Do you have complete confidence where you're dwelling today in your life if the walls really started coming down right now that you can just rest because you know you're in a safe place? Rahab put her hope, her trust and that the children of Israel would not forsake her. She hadn't did everything right. Her life was a picture of a messed up journey. Can I tell you, our life is a picture of a messed up journey as well. But instead of somebody hanging a ribbon out a window, there was one by the name of Jesus that went to a place called Calvary. And he said, come unto me all ye that are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And when I was broke, when I was disturbed, when I was overwhelmed and lost in sin, he still loved me when I was unlovable. And he welcomed me. And now I have joy, I have peace, and I have rest. Because... There is a scarlet robe in my window. This world's crazy as they come to the music this morning. But one thing that's not crazy is your heavenly father. And he says, I'm still with you. See, it's pretty amazing this morning. They, the worship team didn't know what I was preaching. I didn't speak to them. But they come in and they start singing about the blood the blood, the blood, the blood. Now, I know church growth seminars tells people like me that if you want to grow your church, you need to get rid of the biblical content. You need to speak more relevant. You need to do this, this, and this, and then you'll have good success. I'm not really too concerned about having success by their definition. I'm concerned about having success by his definition where when a life is transformed and changed by the power and the glorious love of Jesus. Today, you may be sitting here, you may be overwhelmed. You may be feeling like everything's falling apart all around you. You may be anxious about what's going on in our world or you may be anxious about what's going on in your life, in your family. You may have a bad diagnosis. You may feel like your world's falling apart. Can I tell you, spiritually speaking this morning, there is still a ribbon in Rahab's window. But notice, the deal was, anybody you get in there that's connected to you, Rahab, they're going to be spared. Anybody. Don't matter what they've done, don't matter where they've been, don't matter how they've been acting, but if you can just get them in here. If you can just get them in here. I got to tell you this morning, if you can just get them into the presence of God, if you can just get your family back to the presence of God, get under the scarlet. There's an unshakable place this morning. I'm transparent enough and honest enough to tell you today that there's things going on in this world that shakes me to the core. It bothers me. It takes sleep from me because of a lot of the stuff that we see. And it causes me to go to my knees and to lay and weep before the Lord. But at the same time, I don't let those things shake my faith in this season because I've taken this journey long enough to know that he's faithful and he's good and he's ever present. Doesn't mean we don't go through the stuff and that we don't deal with the stuff, but Thursday night I took some young men with me and we went up to Muncie be with Pastor 
Ken and Faith Builders. I didn't know until a few minutes before Michael was going with me and he texted me. He said, you do know you're going to be preaching outside tonight. And I said, I didn't know that, but that's good information. It was hot. It was hot. We was up there in the parking lot. Drug houses over here. A lot of noise around everywhere. People doing their thing. Have these three young guys with me. Ken's kind of giving us a little tour of what they're doing, doing a great work there. We go outside and I didn't have much to offer. I didn't have elegant speech. I didn't have any good jokes. Y'all just laughed to make me feel good. So all I had was Jesus. I just had a worm. Just had a worm. But when we arrived, there was a few people already there, but we began to mingle with some of the folks, and there was one man that was there. He had an old bicycle, a little homemade trailer. Everything him and his wife owned was on it. He sat at the back, and I just began to talk about the love of Jesus. Everything in his world has come shacking, falling down, shaken, broken. All he has is just a little, little cart, a few little things. Had nothing. But when he heard about Jesus, Brother Derek, after I prayed for a couple of people, and I thought I was done, he come walking down this side and walked up to me and big old tears running down his face and he said I just want Jesus took the hands of that young man elderly man I should say and had those three young men with me and I had them gather behind him we prayed and led him in a sinner's prayer and he turned in the midst of his nothing and began to smile and put his arms around his wife and embraced her and you could feel the love of Jesus all because a scarlet worm was still present We're never going to get sophisticated enough, intelligent enough, proper enough Let's quit trying to use the recipes of the world and let's just get back to what works and that's Jesus Your family needs you to bring them to the unshakable place Quit talking about them. Quit being negative about them. But start fetching them from their loda bar. Rahab went to her family, her brothers, her sisters, her mommy, her daddy. She didn't just bring them, but she brought their stuff. The stuff that was precious. Here's what I'm telling you. We have sat idly by and let a great walled city, Jericho, not just take our family, but we let them take their gifts and their callings and use it for the world. But listen, it's time to go get your family and get the gifts and callings of God and bring them back because God says, I'm going to blow on it, I'm going to bless it, and I'm going to release it, and it's going to grow and prosper. So as we stand all over the house this morning, Can you say without a doubt this morning that you're living and dwelling in an unshakable place? Hypothetically this morning, 
Heaven forbid it ever happens, but it could. Hypothetically this morning, how are you going to respond if you see military in your streets of your city? Hypothetically, how are you going to respond when they... they put a chain and padlock on the doors of the houses of worship and says if you enter there's a place been prepared for you how are you going to respond in the midst of all of the craziness of our day you're going to have to choose where you're going to dwell if you dwell here If you dwell inside the house that has the scarlet cord hanging out of it, I'm going to tell you this morning, it's a holy place. You say, but it was was a harlot's house. No, you listen. You listen well. Something happened in her life where she quit putting her trust in men and she began to put her trust in the one true God. And in that moment, it became a different house than it had ever been. Listen. We're in a season right now, and I don't say this in a mean fashion at all, but the church in America is going to have to clean house in order to dwell under this. There's some stuff that you don't need to take with you in the place that God's delivering you from and to. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord. Can I tell you, like that old worm... He climbed up on an old tree. Remember John chapter 10? He said, no man takes it. I lay it down. He willingly climbed up on that cross. And he said, I'm not coming off. You see, they didn't even have to put nails in his hands and feet to hold him. He climbed on there. He said, I'm not coming off. I'm going to do the will of my father. I'm I'm staying. I'm staying until every ounce of blood drops out of my body because there's some children that's going to come forth in a couple thousand years that's going to need my identity. So therefore today you can come under the cross uh, and that which was a process can be instantaneous this morning. And when you come under the cross of Christ, uh, the blood, the scarlet begins to change your identity. Uh, But also not only does it change your identity, uh, when he did come off the cross uh, three days later when he resurrected. He resurrected in power and authority and in a pure manner. When you come up from an altar of prayer, uh, you walk up uh, washed white as snow, pure. He says nothing that you've ever done will ever be remembered. Uh, It's cast into the sea of forgetfulness. Uh, You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Uh, Can anybody celebrate this morning uh, that you was made new uh, by the blood uh, of Calvary? I'm not going to do a big thing this morning other than to tell you this. If you feel like the walls are getting ready to fall down and you just don't know, I'm giving you an opportunity to run to Rahab's house today. Because can I tell you, this is what I want to leave you with this morning. Sure as I'm standing before you, there is a shaking that's coming but there is a deliverance that's coming as well. We're about to experience the blood-bought saints of God, those under under the scarlet thread. Man, I feel this. We're about to experience a release and a deliverance. That which the enemy has tried to bind us up with is about to be broken off. Somebody's about to walk and step into joy again. Somebody's about to get a song again. Somebody's about to get a shout again. Uh, Somebody's about to dance under the power and the anointing of God again. Uh, The church is not about to die, uh, but it's about to experience resurrection power. Uh, Revival fire is about to burn. Uh, There's a roar that's coming back to the house of God. Uh, Listen, uh, I don't know what you hear, uh, but I hear what the enemy's hearing. Uh, 
They're hearing. They're saying, oh my gosh, what's happening? They're getting closer. Oh, they didn't walk just one time today. They walked three times already. Oh Lord, they walked six times. Oh, this sounds different now. What's happening? The seventh time, the trumpet's blowing and a shout comes up out of the people. Can I tell you? Somebody ought to just get ready to give God a big shout. (coughs) Because in the spirit, the trumpets are already playing. The presence is already moving. You probably haven't paid attention yet. But what you don't really realize is this, this circular pattern. I'm trying to quit. This circular pattern that we've been in the last 16 months felt like he's just walking in circles and wasn't accomplishing nothing. Here's what was happening. Every time God's people put their foot down, another mortar joint began to loosen. Another crack began to develop. They didn't even notice it because they were so scared. They said, oh, we're going to occupy till we can, uh, but we know something's going to happen. Listen, there's some people know that they're at where they're at, where they ain't supposed to be, and they know that their days is numbered. Uh, but, but God, uh, in this moment, uh, if somebody just begins, listen, the vibration of the voice of the church uh, is about to cause some things to crumble. Uh, so don't you dare let the enemy silence you with fear, uh, but begin to proclaim, uh, this is the year of the Lord. Uh, this is is the day, uh, this is the hour, uh, and let's prepare uh, for a release. There is an advancement in this hour. So today, as they get ready to minister in song, you say, I don't know Jesus. I want you to know him before you leave. I want you to come. You say, well, I, I've dedicated my life, but then I've just kind of walked away, and I have it. I have it. I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I want to be where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to ask you to come. But maybe you say, you know what? All this stuff in my life is causing me to just be all out of sorts. But can I tell you, you just got to get back under the scarlet thread and put your trust in Jesus because he's not forsaken you. I want you to come. Hi everybody, this is Pastor Jade Abrams here. I want to thank you for joining us today. I also want you to connect with us. You can find us on all the social media platforms listed below. And we would love to catch up with you, hear what God has spoke to you, and continue to follow us. And we love you and God bless you.